and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Thanks for uh, staying with us throughout the course of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Five o'clock hour, we're live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We've just had such a, it's gone by so quick. I can't believe we've already been on the air for three hours. It's been so fast. Um, we've coming up this hour, we're going to talk about the questions KD was asked today about Brooklyn. We're going to talk about the latest with the Cardinals coaching search beyond Jonathan Gannon. We're starting to see some of it coming to focus now. We've got that coming up in a, in a few minutes. We're basically just Gambo and I kind of going back and forth talking KD, talking Jonathan Gannon because it's been that kind of a day with both of them getting introduced today. Uh, just before we talk about Gannon and Kyler though, what just overall beyond what he said, did the level of Jonathan Gannon's energy and passion no. what? <laughs> I'm going to say no, but guy, finish your finish your thought. I think I was jumping in before because I think I know what you're going to say. Did did it meet your expectation? What was no, it? but I, I was I was I don't know if you, Michael Bidwell was like shocked. Like he he was like, um, I'm surprised at how subdued he is. Maybe I'll bring the end. Like I don't know if you've got that comment, but there was. Michael Bidwell was probably expecting this guy to just come out and just just he was he he was calm he was collective he explained everything really well I don't need the guy to be rah rah and everything but it seemed like Michael was extremely disappointed because he even said and I don't I don't know what's going on here he's very subdued maybe maybe at the end of the press conference he'll he'll be different but I I was taken aback by what Michael said because I think Michael was expecting him to come with a lot more energy I really focused on leadership and accountability and I think that's what we've got with Jonathan. Gannon, JG, and you're going to see it. He's pretty subdued right now. I'm, I'm totally surprised that, uh, but I think you're going to see that um, uh, come out. Uh, but in any case, uh, he, he's going to bring a lot of leadership and accountability to this. He's got a great plan. You've already heard some of the phrases he's he's talked about. Team first. Um, you know, if it's going to be, it's up to you to make it. Uh, if it's going to be, it's up to me. That's right. uh, and so, um, and he's got a few other ones. <laughs> That's the one you were talking. Talking about right there. Yeah, and he said something like, "Maybe you'll you'll get it at the end of the conference or something." Uh, yeah, it's pretty subdued. I'm kind of surprised. I was like, uh, "Like, oh, okay." Like, I think he was expecting him to come out just gung ho with all this energy and passion, and just and he wasn't. Like he. He came out and he explained everything, calm, cool, collectively. I don't have any issues with that at all. I did I thought it was fine. I, I thought it's funny before Michael said that. I I thought Jonathan Gannon was delivering high energy, high pass. I mean, like okay, he's not standing on the table, he's not shouting, he's not screaming, he's not you know doing like Mike Gundy or anything like that. But but like compared to Cliff, compared to kind of that laid back kind of chill vibe that Cliff always had every time he got behind a microphone. I thought Jonathan. Gannon was night and day different from Cliff Kingsbury, and and I was I, I was a little surprised by that comment as well because I thought you know I I think he's actually kind of bringing some energy and bringing some passion, and I'm I, it, it wasn't it was somewhere it what it didn't it wasn't quite Kenny Dillingham right like Kenny Dillingham came in and he just took a blowtorch to everything he was and maybe that's what Michael thought it was going to be that it was going to be like that but I think relatively speaking compared to the message that we've been delivered the last 
four years, I thought Gannon brought an incredible amount of energy. I, I, I was actually, I was very impressed. It doesn't mean that he's going to be a great coach, but the way he presented his ideas, the way he spoke about it, the, the natural kind of charisma and charm that he had, I think it all came through loud and clear. I could feel it. I really could. And yeah. I was impressed by that. Again, it doesn't make him a great coach, but I, I thought he presented it very, very well today. Yeah. I mean, he talked about, the, you know, leaning on, you know, what he learned with the Eagles. He talked about energy, he talked about vision and, you know, taking over a team with a franchise quarterback. He talked about his four pillars, uh, you know, being adaptable and violent and explosive and smart and maximizing talent. And like he answered all of the questions like, OK, that winning the press conference. I don't know. I mean, I just don't know that 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 really matters. We, we wanted to hear, well, you know, what, what are you going to do? Like what do you, And he talked about he talked about his defense and how they're going to change from week to week. And I'm going to maximize the talents of the play. We want that. Maximize yeah. the talents of the players. Don't you know, I'm not going to be a scheme thing. It's going to be week by week. I don't have a scheme. It's going to change. And he talked about Kyler a whole bunch and, you know, being explosive and protecting the football and just all the stuff that you that you you want to hear. You're just waiting for him to say it. Yeah. And the Kyler stuff specifically um, and we had wondered yesterday if Kyler was going to be there. You found out by the end of the show that it was expected that Kyler was going to be there and that he was going to be in town. And yeah, sure enough, week. yeah, right. All week. And sure enough, he was there front row today and it was very much, I thought, Jonathan Gannon talking about Kyler Murray, but also talking to Kyler Murray. Yeah, that's step one. We're, we're starting to look at some different candidates and uh, looking at interviewing some people here in the next 48 hours. And uh, But I have a very specific vision of how I want to play on offense. And the person that comes in here to run the offense is going to understand that everything that we do will be structured around the quarterback position to maximize his skill set and we have an elite one we also have some elite players at different positions already on the roster that i'm very excited to work with and uh that's what we're going to do pointed at kyler when he said an elite quarterback I, i i i distinctly remember and i jotted it down in my notes that when he made that comment he with his right hand he was pointing to his left and i swear he was pointing right at kyler when he said that we have an elite quarterback and then later and I, I, I went looking for it. And I can't find it. There was a video that was circulating around of him kind of meeting the players after the press conference. And at one point, he goes up to Kyler and he does the you know the, the hand clap and the bro hug and all that stuff. And he's like, "Why did I take this job? How many times do you take over a team and you get a franchise quarterback in the deal?" Right? He's like saying that to Kyler. It was it was very much a "You're my guy. You're my franchise quarterback. You're elite." We're gonna we're gonna build this thing around you. It was very much catered to Kyler Murray is the guy, and we've got to get this right with him. And, and I, I know you're gonna bring it up. Here's Michael Bidwell's comments on that as well. I think he came in with a vision and plan that the the vision aligned with where we want to be about getting back to the top of the NFC West and competing in January and competing to get to the Super Bowl and win it. So that's number one with the vision. His plan he outlined some of which he'll get in today, some of which we're not going to get into. Uh, but I'm excited about it. It's the view that he had of our elite quarterback and getting him back to being the playmaker that he is and making sure we build around him and put our players in positions, uh, especially Kyler as our quarterback, uh, to really get after it. And I was excited about what his plan is and, and how he outlined it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
the elite word got thrown around a little bit today. And I think it had to. I think, you know, Michael very much wants a coach that is committed to making sure that Kyle is going to work. Whether it's an offensive coach or a defensive coach, a coach doesn't matter as much. What matters is, do I have a guy here that can get the most out of him? So Michael referred to him as, as an elite quarterback. And he was, you know, Kyler was there. And then Gannon referred to him as an elite quarterback. And, you know, the, Kyler wants to hear that stuff. But I, I would have preferred – I'm just going to give you my opinion here. Sure. I would have preferred somebody say, we believe Kyler can be elite, and we're going we're gonna to work with him to become an elite quarterback. Like Instead of just giving that to him and like almost catering to Kyler, I, this is me. I would have preferred that they didn't call him elite because he's not elite. He's not an elite quarterback. Okay, just easily 10 quarterbacks in this league would take over him, maybe more. I would have preferred not a level of you know catering or pampering to Kyler, but a level of challenging Kyler. Yeah. Where you're saying, you know what? We think that he has elite capability. We think he could be an elite quarterback in this league. I truly believe that Kyler could be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. He's not there yet, but we're going to work with him. We're going to we're committed to working with him. We're going to get the best coaches. We're going to... I would have preferred that over just, he's an elite quarterback. It's great to have an elite quarterback. I came in. Because I think, again, holding Kyler accountable, I think Kyler needs to be knocked down a couple of pegs and then built him back up. I thought about that. I thought about that exact same thing. And I wondered during the press conference how different the tone would be about Kyler if he wasn't in the room. If he wasn't sitting right there in the front row, would it have changed at all the way the words are said? The, the like you're talking about the phrasing, or, or because he was in the room, did they did they feel like they had to kind of prop him a little bit because he's there and they want him around, they want him engaged, they want to make sure that he spends this off season around the facility as he should be as much as possible. And I I thought about that a little bit during the and I don't know what's right or what's wrong with that, but I can understand how you. You would say that and how that might have changed some of the tone and some of the words that were used about Kyler a little bit during the press. I don't event. think you had to knock him. I don't think you had to no, be like... not knock him. Not knock but him. But I just think that you sh- you know, that you know you didn't have to call him elite. Like, you didn't have to say he's an elite quarterback. Because he's not an elite quarterback yeah. right now. He's got the potential to be, but he's not there well, right when now. When he's sitting there right in front of you, you might feel like you have to say something like that about him. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, first let me remind you, because this is a big one here, 35th Annual Arizona Renaissance Festival has begun always a big deal. The Renaissance Festival lasts each weekend until April 3rd. We're giving you the chance to win a family four-pack of tickets. Visit the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and for your chance to win. The question got showered with booze. Kevin Durant did address his time in Brooklyn. You'll hear what he had to say next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. How would you sum up your time in Brooklyn? (laughs) (laughs) We're not here to hear him talk about Brooklyn. How would you sum up your time in Brooklyn? 
That is, um, is that me laughing in the background? Or is that somebody? Maybe it was, maybe it was who asked the question. Yeah, maybe. maybe it was. He should have been like, you see what Mikhail did last night? Man. He's well, got 45. They don't need me. I mean, that's what made today's KD press conference so damn unique is that it was like part pep rally, part press conference. You know, you had 3,000 fans there. They all got Kevin Durant t-shirts. I think they were all season ticket holders. But there it was, it was at center court. Footprint Center, three thousand fans there. It's so so. You got a, a reporter there who is who covers the Nets for ESPN. He's there to ask a very legitimate series of questions about. Hey, KD, this is the first time we've had to talk to you since you left Brooklyn. Tell us about what happened there. But because it's also kind of a part pep rally, the Suns fans are like, yeah, the hell with that. We don't want to hear about Brooklyn. We don't care about Brooklyn. We don't care about why you left Brooklyn. We just want to hear about why you're here and how excited we are that you're here. It was a very unique dynamic today at this Kevin Durant press conference, wasn't it? It was. It, it was. It was. I'm trying to think of... You know, press conferences, you know, I mean, you were at the Randy Johnson press conference. We we were together when Zach Granke got, you know, introduced and had to do that awkward interview with Zach Granke. Oh, my God. (laughs) Remember that? Remember how awkward that was? Of course I remember that. You and I went down to to Chase Field, and in the back of the media room, we got Zach Granke one-on-one for 10 minutes, and it was just some of the most awkward radio you've ever heard in your life, man. That was Yeah, and I just like give him credit for doing yeah. doing the interview. Um no, there's been plenty of press conferences and stuff like that, but usually the fans aren't invited. <laughs> usually right. it's not, hey, let's invite all the fans. We're going to introduce this guy to the media. Because that's, you know, you had two or three questions like, I, ca- I can't hear you. The mic's not on. Can you repeat the question? And then you got the fans booing and the KD chants. But I think this is Matt Ishbia kind of came in and, you know, made this promise. Um, about the environment and the fun, and maybe you know, maybe that'll be more of the norm. I mean, maybe it's just a one-time thing, or maybe. you know, maybe they want to get the fans involved. And 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 I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's it is the biggest star to come to Phoenix. I mean, is it, is it even bigger than Randy Johnson? Um, I I I mean, I can see I, I can see Eric over you know peripherally, and he's nodding his head. Mm. Yes, I mean it's is it bigger than Randy Johnson? Uh, is it bigger than Charles Barkley? I I think that. I think that what it does, I, I was, a coworker was asking me about this earlier. I think that Kevin Durant coming here, what it does is it gives the Suns their absolute clear cut best shot of ever winning a championship ever. And that is what makes it a big deal. Was Barkley a bigger star when he came here? Yes, he was. Was Randy Johnson at the very peak of his powers when he came here? Yes, he was. And some would argue Kevin Durant is too, but whatever. But I think because Kevin Durant comes here and with it comes just this clear-cut expectation, hey, it truly is now championship or bust. Anything other than a title over the next two or three years will be an absolute failure, and there's no other way to spin it. I mean, it's just there's no other way to even talk about it or think about it. Anything other than a championship and you have failed. 
I think that is what makes this as big, if not bigger, than Randy Johnson or Charles Barkley. Because you couldn't, you couldn't say the same thing about the Diamondbacks in 2001. You couldn't even really say the same thing about Charles Barkley in 93. That team was still competing with Michael Jordan. That team was still competing with Patrick Ewing. There, there were other teams with other stars. I think now the Suns are in this position where you got Book, you got Paul, you got Aiton, you got Durant. You better win one sometime in the next couple of years. And whether that's fair or not, I think that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, it is totally. It is. It is. It is different and stuff. But Randy, like Randy, was coming to an organization was brand spanking new. They'd right. only been an exit. Like Andy Bennis was the starting pitcher, and you know, they, you just you know, you remember some of the players from those early teams. And Randy was, and you, I don't know, the expectations weren't that they were going to win a damn World Series. No, no, right? they weren't. No, because because that team, it was the second year of their existence when he came. There, there, there were right. no, Matt Williams got traded for the uh, was it Travis Fryman? Yes, Travis Fryman, Jay Bell. Right. Gonzo got traded for Kareem Garcia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you start to think of like, like, okay, so yeah, obviously they didn't think much of Luis Gonzalez. Like, you didn't know at least Luis Gonzalez was, you know, that good. And then Schilling obviously came afterwards, um, and then they got rid of Buck. They fired Buck. Schilling came in with Buck. Buck was still here. And he was trying to defend Buck, and it was like, yeah, just maybe, maybe we want to. He's on his way out, dude. You may not want to say anything. <laughs> Plus, I always think superstar trades in like the NBA they're just bigger because Randy Johnson is one of five pitchers, one of five starters, one of it's a, a good way to look at a it. Dozen pitchers on a he's staff pitch once every fifth day. He's going to pitch once every fifth day. He's one of twenty-five guys on a roster. Kevin Durant playing thirty-five games, right? Exactly. He's going to be. He's going to play not even a, not even a third of the season. Right, he's going to he's going to start thirty five games. Kevin Durant is going to play thirty five minutes per game and is going to be in every single game. It's just different. It's just got a different feel to it than it does in baseball. And so, for me, the Randy Johnson thing isn't a comp because it didn't raise the level of expectations for the Diamondbacks. And even the Barkley thing isn't a comp because even back then when they got Barkley, and I was here, I, I I lived it. When they got Barkley, it was not like this. Oh man, the Phoenix Suns are are winning the championship. Michael Jordan was still out there. There was still very much, okay, you've you've got this mountain to climb out there, and his name is Michael Jordan. This just feels different. This feels like, man, you better do it. Um, Who was the biggest name that was added to the Nash, Amari, um, Sean Marion? And don't say Shaq. I wouldn't say Shaq. Who was the biggest name that they added during that run? Was it... I mean, they added Jim Thomas and and was it Grant Hill? Grant Hill was later, though. I mean, Grant Hill was kind of Grant Hill was after that. Yeah, Grant Hill was kind of the 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 Alvin Gentry revival with 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 Amari and Steve and kind of that last gasp the team had at at their success before it really all fell apart and Alvin was let go. I mean, during seven seconds or less, Raja Bell. Um, Tim Thomas, Tim Thomas, Jason Richardson. Jason Richardson was a big hit, but there, there weren't nothing like this. Nothing, nothing. I mean, nothing even close. Could have like one that Grant played with Nash and Amari. I'd have to look it up. No, though. he did, he did, but not, but not during and Sean. Yeah, I, I mean, not when Mike was the coach. 
Mike wasn't the. I don't believe Mike was the coach at any point. Oh when no, Grant, he definitely was. Was he? I, I he thought definitely was. I thought Grand Hill was here after Mike, but I uh, I could be wrong. I'd have to go I'm look it up to be positive. sure. Positive, at least one or two years, and then they went they went Terry Porter, and then, right? Yeah, and then Terry Porter got fired, and Alvin took over. But I'm almost positive that Grant at least one or two years. I'd have to again. I'd have to go look that stuff up. But then the point is like, who do, who's the best player that they that they added during those runs? Like they never added anybody like this. Those teams never, you know, those teams were winning 50, 60 something games every year. And who, who did they add? I mean, Jim Jackson, maybe? Like, you, you think about the players they had, they never added any, they, they never came close to adding anybody like this. Yeah, no, they didn't. To those teams? They didn't. Let me play this cut from, since we teased it, this is Kevin Durant talking about his time in Brooklyn. It was a lot of ups and downs, but I loved the grind. So, and everybody in Brooklyn loved the grind, too. So I built a family over there. They're going to always be a part of my journey. Uh, so we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish as far as winning the championship, just like I told him. But I enjoyed the grind. And everybody there, we tried our hardest every day, regardless of what was going on in the media, what was going on with our teammates. Everybody who was in that gym, we grinded. So I love those guys. I get emotional to talk about them because that was a special four years of my career, coming off of Achilles. And they helped me through a lot. So I don't have anything uh, So, yeah, it was terrible how some stuff went down, but at the end of the day, I love the grind. And we all love the grind there in Brooklyn, and I wish them the best going forward. They got a bright future. All right, I looked it up. I was just buying myself some time so I could look it up by playing that cut. They overlapped by a year. Mike's last year here was Grant's first year here. They overlapped by one season. Okay. Mike's so there last, was one year where was, they were all together. There was one year where they were all together. Okay. I, I, right. I thought, Then Porter, I remember Porter came in. Yeah. And he got fired because he was terrible. And then Alvin Gentry came and in. And Alvin took over, and Alvin did a great job. Yeah, so his his last year here was the 07-08 season. That was also Grant's first season here, 07-08. So right. they had one year where they overlapped. I thought it was a couple of years. It was yeah. one, but I, I, I'm almost, I kind of remember, remember Grant playing for Mike. I, I still think that during prime seven seconds or less that Raja Bell was probably the premier addition. Yeah, I, but, the, the, but then the point to that whole thing is I know we're late for the break. Like they didn't add any, like no, they didn't really, no. they just went with what they had. They didn't add anybody like no, that. I mean, not even close. They not, didn't add everybody half of the, half of that player. They didn't add. No, not even close. Not even close. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, because yes, we are late for a break. Now that he's officially on the job, Jonathan Gannon is fast at work finding his next offensive coordinator and deciding on who his next defensive coordinator won't be. We'll update all the coaching news next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo show, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader in his post-press conference meeting with reporters, the scrum, we call it, in the industry. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach of the Cardinals, meeting with a bunch of reporters, indicated in the moment, and again, this was probably about 11 o'clock this morning, that he was going to meet with Vance Joseph today. I'm going to talk to him today. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to sitting down with Vance. I know Vance for a, you know, a long time as a fan because he's done it at a high level. So uh, looking forward to talking. 
talking to him about his vision for the defense and uh, if it blends with mine and we'll, we'll go from there. Well, perhaps this shouldn't be a surprise then. Josina Anderson is reporting uh, via her Twitter account. I'm told the Cardinals informed defensive coordinator Vance Joseph today they intend to release him per a source. He had one year left on his contract. This feels like the thing that we expected to happen. Man, it took a long time for Vance Joseph to get released from that contract. Sure did, didn't it? Sure did. <laughs> it took a long time. I hope he's able to get another job. I really do. I hope that didn't... Uh, I mean, I, under, I understand in some ways, you know, Michael not wanting to let him out while he was still a candidate to be the head coach, while he was still a candidate to be the defensive coordinator, depending on, you know, who they would have hired. I think if they would have hired an offensive guy, if they would have went with Mike Kafka, I mean, it's possible Vance Joseph would have stayed and been the defensive coordinator. But by hiring a defensive guy who clearly laid out what his plan is for the defense, that didn't seem like there was a chance that they were going to keep fans. No, it really didn't. And I get you want to talk to him and make sure, have a conversation. And look... You and I are on the same page on this one. We both like Vance. We both respect Vance. I famously remember after Vance's first year, we were both very passionate about wanting to keep Vance, even though there was some belief that maybe he should be let go after just one year on the job. He's a very good defensive coordinator. He's a good coach. He's a good leader type. This team needed to start over from scratch. They needed to wipe the the, the dry erase board clean and start over. No resi- clean slate. Yep, yep, clean slate. No residual voices, no leftover thoughts, nobody left over from a year ago, and that's kind of what needed to happen. Um in light of Gannon getting announced today as the new head coach, we got a flurry of news about potential offensive coordinators. I mean, it came in bang, 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 rapid-fire fashion at about 3 o'clock today. News item number one, and this one's not going to surprise anybody. The Cardinals have requested to interview Browns quarterbacks coach Drew Petzing for their offensive coordinator job under new coach Jonathan Gannon. Ian Rappaport says he's considered a strong candidate. Gambo, most people reporting on this have reported he's been the lead candidate basically for this job for the better part of the last week or so 35 years old young guy been with the Browns since 2020 um you know he would coach tight ends then worked his way up to work with the quarterbacks a lot of people point to the 11 game stretch that Jacoby Brissett had his best 11 game stretch under the leadership of Petzing and and Alex Van Pelt and Stefanski and um you know and then obviously uh, with with uh Deshaun Watson in there. So this is a guy that has some experience. He's a younger guy. He's supposed to be a pretty good offensive mind. So sounds like if they do hire him, I don't think that would be a bad hire at all. Here is Mary Kay Cabot. She is, she's been covering the Cleveland Browns for many, many years for the Cleveland area newspaper. She was on with Bickley and Murata this morning and called Drew Petzing an up-and-coming star. He really is. I know that Kevin Stefanski valued him very, very highly, but in Cleveland there, you know, there just wasn't a pathway to offensive coordinator or play calling for him. Kevin Stefanski is calling the plays in Cleveland and then offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt Health, you know, would probably be next in line for that mm-hmm. job. So, you know, it was time for Drew Petzing to move on if he wanted to have more responsibility with an offense. Um, but again, John Gannon, you know, when we talked, he talked a lot about, you know, just knowing, how, you know, character and intangibles and working with people.
football and, you know, football acumen, intelligence, all those kinds of things, but not necessarily previous experience calling your side of the ball. Now, before we go handing him the job, it should be noted that within minutes after the Petsing report from Rappaport came another one from Ian Rappaport. Commander's wide receivers coach, Drew Terrell, has been requested by the Cardinals for their offensive coordinator's job. He's 31 years old. He, in the words of Rappaport, is highly thought of in NFL circles. And you remembered off the top of your head that he's a Valley guy. He was born in Mesa. Yeah, Valley guy. Chandler High or one of those schools out in Chandler. But I, I do I do know the name, um, that he was a local guy. So don't know much about him, you know, coaching-wise. You looked up and uh, he played at, he played at Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. Um, so they I know the commanders didn't interview him, you know, for their opening, right? The commanders, you know, interviewed be enemy for the offensive coordinator position, but they did not interview their own guy. So what does that say? I mean, I'm you know I don't know, but um, they did they did not the commanders have him and and they have an opening and but they have not interviewed him for that job. He did go to Hamilton. Um, oh Hamilton. Hamilton. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's so yeah, he's already so good. <laughs> so good. So good. Says Hamilton the, yeah. says the guy who's married to a Chandler grad. I'm married to a Chandler High Wolf man. How yeah? No, nothing good comes out of Hamilton. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible school. Every kid should leave that school right now. If you go there, you should leave. Wow. I didn't realize. Don't you, go to Hamilton. I didn't realize you're going to go scorched earth on one of the biggest high schools in the Valley like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's Do that's not a, go there. Yeah. You know, for anybody listening who has a kid who goes to Hamilton, this is Gambo's thoughts, not mine. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not alien. I apologize. Your entire school. Go to school. Chandler High. Uh, but that's not it. There's a third name that has now been affiliated with the Cardinals in their OC job. This one coming from Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. The Cardinals have requested an interview with Saints running backs coach Joel Thomas for the offensive coordinator's job. So the yeah, three- that's an interesting name. Yes, because when you think of the success that Ingram and, and Kamara had um, with him, and he's been there for a while, like he, you know, Joel uh, Joel Thomas has been uh, in New or- in New Orleans for for a long time. I think eight nine years. But that you know, those guys, Kamara and, and Ingram, uh, those guys have had uh, a lot of success there. So it's a, that's an interesting name. I still think it's it's more, more likely you go with the familiar name in, in Petsing, but I think you have to I think you have to interview. Uh, more guys than just one, and just to see if there's anybody out there that might have might have a better fit and might be better for Kyler. I wonder too, and I understand the rules in the NFL are kind of tricky because you can't really go like laterally from one position to another, from one organization to another, where you basically take the same job. You can be blocked for something like that. I do wonder if part of the interviews with these other guys are for other positions, are, are for positions that would be like promotions that would allow the Cardinals to get Drew Petzing and. Drew Terrell or and Joel Thomas, you know, like they, they're yeah. they're saying they're interviewing them for the offensive coordinator job, but I wonder if they're also interviewing them to see if there's a way that they could add them to Petsing staff and not make them the offensive coordinator. I, again, and, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud yeah. on that one. And the Rooney rule still is in play regarding coordinators, so it's not just head coaches, is it? So yeah, I believe that that's still okay. the requirement, even for coordinators, that you have to do that. Yeah, I I. I, I'm going I'm to assume you're right. I, I, I don't. Know I believe. You, I believe I am. Okay. That I, you still have to. You know. You have to do that requirement and interview requirement. minority candidates. Okay. All right. 
When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, that's the la- and just that's the latest on what's going on with the Cardinals and their 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 other coaching search. Now that Jonathan Gannon is done, I would imagine tomorrow that'll be kind of the next evolution of this Gannon story and his hire, you know, his staff, how it gets filled out, what it means, things like that. When we come back, I can't believe we're already done with the show. This one went by so fast. Our final takeaways from both Kevin Durant and Jonathan Gannon's introductory press conferences. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? That was a lot on tonight. There's a ton on tonight. Yeah, no, it was a lot on tonight. Shooing because that show was just a blur, man. It felt like it was about 45 minutes long. Uh, What is on tonight? The games that we're going to watch this evening. We got three local teams in action tonight. ASU taking on Colorado. That game hosting Colorado, I should uh, say. That game is on ESPN 620, 98.7 FM HG2. Uh, Of course, the Arizona Sports app is where you can find it. That one's set to begin here in about 11 minutes or so, so you can hear it on ESPN 620 of the Arizona Sports app. Uh, Utah is taking on Arizona tonight. AS, or U of A is ranked 8th in the country after their loss to Stanford over the weekend. That game starts at 8 o'clock tonight. And then the Suns and the Clippers tonight at 8 in the final game. It might even be the final game in the NBA until the All-Star break. Nationally televised audience. A little bit of a later start time at 8 o'clock. Um, Terrence Ross is available. We'll see how much he plays. We'll see how much run T.J. Warren gets in this one. He only played about seven minutes the other night. We didn't see Darius Baisley the other night. Um, And this, watch out for this game tonight. Now, I I know it's the last one before the break, and you don't always get the best effort out of both teams the last game before the All-Star break. Gambo, these are two teams that if you told me who's going to meet in the Western Conference Finals, I wouldn't be shocked one bit if it's the Suns versus the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. No, well, I'm thinking about this. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but, you know, are the Clippers going to end up with Russell Westbrook? That is one of the rumors out there that Westbrook is talking with the Clippers about a buyout potential. And, and I don't know if we look, we've been so focused on the Suns. Has anyone else how, notice how well Kawhi Leonard's been playing like the last month or so? He's playing out of his mind right now. Out of his yeah, mind. They're not, they're, they're not a great team, though. Like, I know, they're not. You're right. Really not. But they could be a great team. Like, like there's, they haven't been a great team this year. They haven't been great against good teams. I'll grant you all of that. But Kawhi Leonard is one of those next level grade A superstars where if he's right and he's got Paul George as his running mate next to him, they've got depth. They've got good coaching. I just, they could be great. They're not there right now, but they yeah. could be great. Just wonder if, if they, can, can Russell Westbrook blend with anybody? That's a great question. I, you know, just blend, like the blend, like, you know, I mean, he could go get your triple-double. He had a bunch of them this year with the Lakers. Like, yeah. he had a bunch of triple-doubles with the Lakers. But, you know, can he blend with the team? You know, yeah, Paul George knows him really well. So, it's just a question of, is, does that... You know, does that work for them? But, like, if I'm the Clippers, it might be worth the risk, right, in a buyout just to see. Because right now, everybody's chasing Phoenix. And if Westbrook can go, 
you know, coming off the bench, whatever he does for you, if he can give you a dynamic in, in scoring, a team might say, okay, I, I'll, I'm going to take that. Clippers are 22 and 11 when Kawhi plays, 10 and 17 when he doesn't. Over his last 16 games, he's averaging 28 points per game, six and a half rebounds. He's shooting 53%, 49% from three, 92% from the free throw line. And he's averaging about six free throw attempts per game. So he's, he's right. forcing content and, and getting to the line. And remember, they added um, Bones Highland, Mason Plumley, and Eric Gordon. Yes. So they added, you know, new players. Like we're talking about, you know, seeing, you know, Terrence Ross today. Um, those guys, they, they, they made their debut against the Warriors, but those are three players that they added in Highland, Plumley, and Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon had always been rumored as a guy who was going to come here to Phoenix. I always shot those rumors down, but he was always oh, a guy that was yeah. rumored to be coming here. Um, we've only got a couple minutes left on what's been a crazy busy day. Any final thoughts on Durant or Gannon? Anything that has not been said yet that you want to yeah, say? Yeah, you know, I always, I, I, I just, I wanted to go look and see how the New York papers reacted and, you know, to Kevin Durant because he was in New York for four years. I'm just looking at a story now. Emotional Kevin Durant. Kyrie's trade request request was tough for me to stomach. That's the headline. That's what they took out of it. They took out of it. Emotional KD says Kyrie Irving's trade request was tough for me to stomach. And so their angle was, and it says, lots of up and downs. I love the grind. Everybody in Brooklyn loved the grind. Built a family over over there, um, voice cracking. They're always going to be part of my journey. Didn't accomplish what we wanted. So I was interested to see what the angle was in you know in New York, based on you know KD leaving and coming in because you knew there was going to be an you know not, not just the Suns angle but a, but a Brooklyn Nets angle. It's the first time we've had a chance to hear from him since he asked out of Brooklyn. So to, to get his reaction kind of on what went down and how it all went down, it no doubt was something I wanted to hear too. I'll for me, I, I mean the KD press conference was honestly one of the most unique things I think I've ever seen or listened to in my life. It was totally unlike any press conference I've ever heard. Whereas Gannon, I I thought Gannon hit all the right notes today. Doesn't mean he's going to be a great coach, but I think he hit all the right notes today in terms of what you wanted to hear if you're a Cardinals fan and was obviously a very, very different vibe from Cliff Kingsbury. And if that's what you wanted, it was very obvious to me that Jonathan Gannon is is just cut from different cloth than Cliff, and that came through today. I thought this. I thought he came off very well. I, yeah. I, I think he did a good job in his press conference. It's going to do it for us. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow, straight up two o'clock, right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Go. Oh.